Hello and welcome to Alice is Everywhere, the world's only podcast devoted entirely to Alice in Wonderland and her creator, Charles Dodson, a.k.a. Lewis Carroll. My name is Heather. I'll be your host on this journey of nonsense. I'd like to start today by taking you on a trip back in time. No, not to the times of Charles Dodson, not to jolly old Victorian England. Not that Victorian England was particularly jolly, mind you. No, we're going back in time all the way back to three months ago when I started writing this podcast episode. You see, I had just finished an episode called Mishmash. I called it Mishmash, both because the episode was a mishmash of Carolian odds and ends, and also because we talked about the self-published magazine Lewis Carroll created as a young man called Mishmash. I felt a little guilty after that episode because, if you'll recall... I mentioned that a paperback book entitled The Rectory Umbrella and Mishmash is available. This paperback book cost $2.25, and I did not buy it. I just grabbed a few Mishmash quotes that were readily available online, and I read those to you. Really shoddy research on my part. So I decided to work that $2.25 into my monthly budget, purchase Mishmash, and do a Mishmash Part 2 episode that delves a little deeper into this early work of our friend Elsie. But then, something absolutely miraculous, magical, and probably supernatural happened. I went down to my mailbox, where I found a package addressed to me. This is not in itself a strange occurrence to find a package addressed to oneself in one's own mailbox, but this package had the return address of one August Imholtz Jr. For those not in the know, August Imholtz is a Lewis Carroll scholar extraordinaire. He has authored countless articles, written and edited numerous books, compiled collections. He's a former president of the Lewis Carroll Society of North America. Important to note, my fandom of him does not necessarily mean I am pronouncing his last name correctly. Might be Imholtz. So, as if by magic, this package arrives from Mr. Imholtz. I'm like 95% certain it's Imholtz. I open it, and there is a brand new book entitled Rare, Uncollected, Unpublished, and Non-Existent Verse of Lewis Carroll, collected and annotated by August A. Imholtz Jr. and Edward Wakeling. Edward Wakeling being another Carolian scholar slash superstar, if you're not familiar. Now, the very first rare, uncollected, unpublished verse in this book is an early poem of Lewis Carroll's about some sailors trying to catch a mermaid. The notes say that this was probably meant for one of Carroll's family magazines. You know, like mishmash. So my mind is racing at this point. I conclude that one of two things must have happened. Either the universe manifested this book out of the ether, placed it in my mailbox in order to give me new podcast material, and more importantly, save me $2.25, or... August Imholtz is a huge fan of the Alice's Everywhere podcast, listened to my Mishmash episode the first day it was released, and then fairly flew to his local post office in order to ship off his brand new book so that I would use it on my very next episode, Mishmash Part 2. Both hypothetical scenarios seemed equally unlikely, and with the teeniest bit of research were completely debunked from all realms of reality. I noticed on the title page that this book was published by the Lewis Carroll Society of North America, so I headed over to the LCSNA website for more info and immediately read the following. Kalu Kalei, rare, uncollected, unpublished, and non-existent verse of Lewis Carroll, edited by Edward Wakeling and August A. Imholtz Jr., is on its way to all members as a free premium. For others, the only way to get a copy is to become a member. This is due to an agreement with the C.L. Dotson estate in which the book may not be sold. But that's a truly fine bonus, end quote. So, 
No Alice superfans eagerly sending me free research materials. No universe delivering things on my doorstep. Guess I was just so eager to get in on this manifesting craze, now that it's so often a verb. All that happened was that I got a freebie that was sent to all Lewis Carroll Society of North America members. But I did get to hang on to that $2.25, and I have some truly exclusive excerpts to share with you from this new collection by Misters Imholtz and Wakeling. I'm not going to share too much, though, just because if the Dodson estate doesn't want it to be sold, they probably don't want folks profiting off these previously unreleased letters and verses. Lucky for you guys, this podcast nets me absolutely nothing, so I can't imagine the estate would be terribly bothered by sharing a smattering of verses with a small but dedicated group of Carol admirers, right? An excerpt I am not going to read is the aforementioned poem about the sailors trying to catch a mermaid because, oddly enough, the N-word is used many, many times. Silly me, I always assumed the N-word was a uniquely American abomination, but it is not. Frankly, in Victorian times, it did not have the incredibly negative connotation that it has today. And even more frankly, I can't begin to tell you guys how little words bother me personally. The worst words in the world are just words, in my opinion. They are sound and fury, signifying nothing. However, I am well aware that I am in the minority with that opinion, so I am going to go ahead and not read that poem. What I am going to read instead is a very exciting find. It is the long-lost extra verses of The Walrus and the Carpenter. Quick review, though I'm sure you all remember, in Chapter 4 of Through the Looking Glass and What Alice Found There, Alice meets the titular Tweedledum and Tweedledee. Alice repeatedly asks the Tweedles how she can make her way out of the woods, and instead of telling her any useful information whatsoever, Tweedledee proceeds to repeat the very long poem, The Walrus and the Carpenter, to her. The poem describes how the walrus and the carpenter trick a bunch of adorable little baby oysters into going for a walk with them, and then they eat them all up. And they are just big fat jerks about it, as Alice says afterwards. Well, they were both unpleasant characters. Now, I've mentioned before a man named Henry Savile Clark put on a musical version of the Alice stories in 1886. That's the production that Lewis Carroll reviews in his Alice on the Stage essay. So, Henry Savile Clark is putting on this play... And Lewis Carroll himself suggested to him that he add a scene in which the oysters come back from the dead and torment their murderers. So satisfying. And when we read chapter four of Looking Glass together on this podcast, I told you about the long lost vengeful oyster verses, but I did not have access to them until now. Without further ado, written in 1886 by Lewis Carroll himself for the stage, I present to you the long-lost additional verses, to the walrus and the carpenter. The carpenter, he ceased to sob. The walrus ceased to weep. They'd finish all the oysters, and they laid them down to sleep, and of their craft and cruelty, the punishment to reap. The carpenter is sleeping. The butter's on his face. The vinegar and pepper are all about the place. Let oysters rock your cradle and lull you into rest. And if that will not do it, we'll sit upon your chest. We'll sit upon your chest. We'll sit upon your chest. The simplest way to do it is to sit upon your chest. Oh, woeful weeping walrus, your tears were all a sham. You're greedier for oysters than children are for jam. You like to have an oyster to give the meal a zest? Excuse me, wicked walrus, for stamping on your chest. For stamping on your chest. For stamping on your chest. Excuse me, wicked walrus, for stamping on your chest. Dun, dun, dun.
end quote. Well, really, the end quote was before the dun-dun-dun. Oh my gosh, let oysters rock your cradle and lull you into rest? I feel like that's one of the most terrifying lines ever written. Fun fact, Isa Bowman, a little girl who became a lifelong friend of Lewis Carroll's, first met him when she played one of the oyster ghosts in this very Henry Savile Clark production. In a later production, she graduated to playing Alice, so girl must have had some acting chops. The next excerpt from rare, uncollected, unpublished, and non-existent verse of Lewis Carroll I'm going to read is quite short. It jumped out at me because it is very similar to something we've heard before. Recall, if you will, my two-part podcast about Beatrice Hatch's obituary of her friend Lewis Carroll. Beatrice Hatch being another little girl who turned into a lifelong friend. As part of that fascinating obituary... Beatrice shared with us a letter Elsie wrote to her in which he describes running into Beatrice's new doll, walking stiffly on the street, and what ensued afterwards. Well, this must have been one of Elsie's regular devices for keeping his young friends entertained because he wrote a poem about his cousin Manella's doll in June of 1870, and it went a little something like this. Nella's Song Matilda Jane, you never look at any toy or picture book. I show you pretty things in vain. I fear you're blind, Matilda Jane. I ask you riddles, tell you tales, but all my conversation fails. You never say a word again, for you are dumb, Matilda Jane. Matilda, darling, when I call, you never seem to hear at all. I shout with all my might and main, but you're so deaf, Matilda Jane. Matilda Jane, you needn't mind, for though you're deaf and dumb and blind, there's someone loves you, it is plain." And that is me, Matilda Jane. Now the few, and I mean very few, Sylvie and Bruno fans who are listening probably recognize the tale of Matilda Jane because this verse, or something very similar to it, ended up in Chapter 5 of Sylvie and Bruno Concluded. And that concludes the excerpts I'm going to read from the not-for-sale, rare, uncollected, unpublished, and non-existent verse of Lewis Carroll, collected and annotated by August A. Imholtz Jr. and Edward Wakeling, generously given as a members-only perk of the Lewis Carroll Society of North America, mustn't provoke the C.L. Dodson estate, after all. So we'll stop there. Next, I want to share a song with y'all. You know how I like to find modern music that mentions Wonderland or our girl Alice and other characters and try to figure out the symbolism and meaning? Today's track is called Lazy Wonderland by Broken Bells. I was recently kind of reintroduced to these guys, I was out having an adult beverage at a rather noisy establishment, like I do, and I could just barely hear the song that was playing, but it sounded vaguely familiar, and and I could make out the lyrics like a dirge over and over again. It's too late to change your mind. And it was just like a thunderbolt. I thought, I know this song. I love this song. I haven't heard it in years. What is this song? The next day I looked it up, and the song is called The High Road, by Broken Bells, and I've been listening to Broken Bells nonstop ever since. If you are unfamiliar, Broken Bells is a collaboration between Danger Mouse and James Mercer, who is a member of the Shins. They've only done a few albums together, but they just recently teased on social media that they are working on some new music. Yay! So, Lazy Wonderland is on their 2014 album entitled After the Disco. Danger Mouse and Mr. Mercer do not appear to be the chattiest guys when it comes to discussing their music. I could find... No interviews or articles in which they discuss Lazy Wonderland. So this is just pure conjecture on my part. But the refrain, to me, is thematically 
rather reminiscent of the heartbreaking poem at the end of Through the Looking Glass, A Boat Beneath a Sunny Sky. And the fact that the opening stanzas of Lazy Wonderland invoke images of rowing through water, which, as we know, is how the tale of Wonderland came to be. It was Charles Dodson making up a story for the little sisters as he and the Reverend Duckworth rowed along. Well, I believe it is very possible that Lewis Carroll was the inspiration for this song, and that Broken Bells was not using the term Wonderland all willy-nilly, all helter-skelter, all higgledy-piggledy. To set the song up... And also, you know, so that you're more likely to agree with me and my theory, I'm going to read A Boat Beneath a Sunny Sky to you. I will try not to cry, but no promises. Then we'll listen to Lazy Wonderland by Broken Bells. A boat beneath a sunny sky, lingering onward dreamily in an evening of July. Children three that nestle near, eager eye and willing ear, pleased a simple tale to hear. Long as paled that sunny sky. Echoes fade and memories die. Autumn frosts have slain July. Still she haunts me, phantom-wise. Alice moving under skies. Never seen by waking eyes. Children yet the tale to hear. Eager eye and willing ear. Lovingly shall nestle near. In a wonderland they lie. Dreaming as the days go by. Dreaming as the summers die, ever drifting down the stream, lingering in the golden gleam. Life, what is it but a dream?
What do you think? Am I on to something? Is that song about Lewis Carroll? Hey, let me know your thoughts on Lazy Wonderland, or anything else for that matter, on social media, or shoot me an email at heather at com. And when I say anything else, I quite obviously don't really mean anything else. No need to tell me what you had for lunch, or how Ted and accounting at work really gets on your nerves. I mean, Alice things, Lewis Carroll things, snark things, literary things. Actually, that is one thing I really love, when listeners tell me what their other very favorite books are, because I find we rather eerily have a lot in common. The Sound and the Fury, anyone? Far from the Madding Crowd? Tender as the Night? A Christmas Carol? Are you with me, people? Oh, and I almost forgot, since life keeps happening to me while I'm busy making other plans, and there are such interminable delays between Alice's Everywhere podcasts, I have started to do a weekly video series called The Wonderland Minute. I have been posting The Wonderland Minute on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. They are indeed one minute or less, except for the very first one, I believe. Besides Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, I do plan to get them up on YouTube as well very soon. So if you guys miss me as much as I miss you, check those out. A mere 60 seconds each. Sometimes it's Alice in Wonderland news you can use, as in current events. Sometimes it's some factoids about our friend LC. Sometimes it's me. Losing $5 at an Alice in Wonderland theme slot machine in record time. You just never know what's going to happen in a Wonderland minute. If I don't see you online, talk soon.